When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome in to episode 111 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's High Tech Studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. Whether you're watching live on Facebook, whether you're watching archived on YouTube, listening on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, wherever and however you consume the Tech Sideline podcast, we're so glad that you could join us today as we record at 10 a.m. on Wednesday, January 22nd. A lot to talk about today. A lot has already happened today on this Wednesday morning as the 2020 Virginia Tech football schedule has been announced less than an hour ago as we record this edition of the Tech Sideline podcast. We'll get the full breakdown from our podcast team talking about the toughest stretches for Virginia Tech home games, away games, the whole nine yards coming up here on the Tech Sideline podcast. Also happening today on Wednesday at 8 o'clock p.m. tonight, Virginia Tech hosts UNC and the Hokies are 75 favorites. We'll talk about Virginia Tech Yikes. and North Carolina in just a little bit. We'll also talk about Landers Nolly and an interesting quote that was put out uh, by the Roanoke Times yesterday and Mark Berman. We'll talk about Landers Nolly and his future at Virginia Tech in a little bit. And as I asked for those that were on the message boards on Tuesday night, ask for your questions. We will get to those on Facebook Live and uh, the ones that were done before the show. All coming up on episode 111 of the Tech Sideline podcast. Again, we've got our normal crew here today we've got the best producer in the land behind the scenes malcolm stewart he's taking your questions be sure to drop those now on facebook live on the podcast set we've got our managing editor chris coleman we've got our general manager and founder will stewart and i'm your podcast host evan hughes again so glad that everybody could join us today a reminder that this week and every week, the Tech Sideline podcast is presented by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. From their office in Blacksburg, they are able to serve the entire Commonwealth of Virginia. Whether you are charged with driving under the influence or speeding, the Fisher Law Firm realizes that each case is important to the client. To date, the firm, the firm has defended more than 30,000 people charged with moving violations. For a free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll free at 1-800-680-7031. Again, that's 1-800-680-7031, or you can email them at info at fisherlegal.com. And with that, I turn it over to Will Stewart and Chris Coleman here on the podcast set. Gentlemen, good morning. It has been a busy day already with the release of the schedule. What, what do you most look forward to when the schedule comes out? What's the number one thing? Because it's not just the tech schedule that comes out. It's everybody in the ACC. I look forward to the complaining. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, I don't know. Um, I guess what we do is we take the schedule and we look at the whole ACC schedule and we're going to do that here on the podcast and, and you know, check and see what teams are doing before they play Virginia Tech. So the first thing you do is look at Tech's schedule and, you know, are there any Thursday games, Friday games, et cetera, you know, or a bunch of road games strung together. And then you start looking to see what teams do before they play Tech. So that that's what we'll be focusing on. Yeah, you can't fully analyze the schedule until you look and see, like – 
who was Virginia playing the week before they play Virginia Tech and things like that. Yeah. So when the schedule first came out, you know, you're like, oh, okay. Don't really have a lot of complaints. Uh, you know, I'm not particularly happy about <clears throat> at Louisville, at Pitt, back-to-back on the road with the Pitt game being on a Friday. But at the same time, Pitt is at Florida State the previous week. So, yeah. you know, they've got a long flight in there, in there too. And but but let, let's start first with actually – going over yep. the, the tech schedule right. before we start yep. breaking down. Who and that was a tease. Plays. I kind of wanted to get your initial thoughts on it real quick. We'll do that in just a minute. One thing I'm going to get in the habit of start doing a little bit earlier, though, is talking about uh, what's on techsideline.com uh, and different ways to follow TSLs we get going on the podcast. A reminder to follow Tech Sideline on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Tech Sideline. Uh, we'll be pushing out all of our content there. As always, techsideline.com. There are a couple of great articles out right now. Uh, Chris, I'll let you just talk about that quickly. You've got an article about the Quadrant One victories and the uniqueness of Tyrese Radford. Uh, what for, uh, what should those look forward to in that article? Uh, well, right now, well, as of yesterday afternoon, Virginia Tech had three quadrant one wins because Clemson is up to number 75 and Syracuse is up to number 70. By losing to Syracuse on Saturday, Virginia Tech gave themselves an extra quadrant one win because that bumped Syracuse up into the top 75. So Virginia Tech has a road win over Syracuse, so that now counts as a quadrant one win instead of a quadrant two win. They have to stay in the top 75 for it to be there. As far as Tyrese Radford goes, he's number one in the country in Ken Pomeroy's offensive rating. Uh, it's an offensive efficiency metric. I think Radford is 14th in the country in two-point field goal percentage, and he's the only player, and every player ahead of him is 6'5 or taller. P.J. Horn is actually ninth on that list, too, hmm. um, which is also impressive considering he's going up against guys anywhere from three to six, inch taller, six inches taller than him every single night. Um, and Radford is number three in the country in turnover rate. So when you shoot a high percentage and you don't turn the ball over, that equals a high offensive efficiency rating. And I think, I believe it's he's he's ranked number one in the country since 2008 out of all players with a usage rate of 15 or higher. And don't ask me what usage yeah, rate Yeah, we don't means. know what that means. It's, these are advanced metrics. But all we know is he's best in the country since 2008, which is so yeah. so that's in, how you in, in offensive efficiency. Yeah, an the guys rating. with a usage rate of 15 or higher. Right. That's a, so that article is up on Tech Sideline right now. And then, uh, Will, I want to get I just uh, tease this as well. I know Corey Van Dyke has been putting out a couple of uh, really good baseball articles right now. He's got uh, part three of his analytics preview right now, and looks like he did a deep dive into that. That's available right now as well as yeah, the football Yeah, and, and that's a free article. And when we talk about resources and the money schools are throwing at things these days, it's actually a good example is Wake Forest baseball program, and I forget the exact title, but they actually hired a PhD to analyze like pitching mechanics in what they call their pitching lab at Wake Forest. Wake Forest. Wake Forest baseball. So Wake Forest baseball has something like that. Can you imagine what some of these huge football programs with endless budgets have that we don't even know about? Yeah, that we can't even imagine. And yeah. they're not real public about it. They list all their staff, but they don't really say what they do. Yeah. Again, that's all on techsideline.com right now. Again, a reminder, annual price eighty four ninety nine, monthly price eight forty nine, student price twenty nine ninety nine. It's a great time to become a part of the TSL family. Indeed. We uh, picked up a lot of subscribers this fall. It's been a really good year. So we're really pleased with the whole podcast and, and all the different ways that we reach people and uh, how it all works together. 
Awesome. Again, that's what's going on on TechSideline.com right now, the articles that are there right now, and that is how you join the TSL family. Okay, now let's dive right in. I uh, gave you guys a little bit of a tease what you were talking about and looking at. Again, this morning at 9 o'clock uh, on Packer and Durham, the ACC football schedule was announced. That included Virginia Tech's schedule, and now we know what every date holds for the Hokies. Will, I want to start with you. We knew about Penn State, of course, as the marquee, one of the marquee home games in the non-conference slate, but... When you look at the conference slate, what's the number one thing that jumps out at you? The conference slate. Uh, let's see. Um, you know, there's not really a number one thing. I'm sitting here looking at it. The, the fact that it's the return of Thursday night football, um, October 22nd against Boston College. Uh, and that that's kind of – it seems to me like every time Tech plays on Thursday, it's Georgia Tech or Boston College. So um, – um, and, and it's funny, the, the, the conversation around Thursday night football has really changed over the years, and a lot of that has to do with the NFL um, and just the way Thursday night football itself has changed. Uh, we talked on a recent podcast about uh, when Jonathan Fisher was on about 1994, and that was Tech's first appearance on Thursday night football. They uh, played, uh, I think Tech was ranked 12th in the country, and they played uh, West Virginia, smoked them like 34 to 6. And uh, got a lot of coverage out of it. It was really cool back then. And, and as you know, you know, Tech uh, kind of built their – part of the way they built their brand was playing Thursday night football. And back then they had – who was the crew, Chris? It was Tarico Fowler – no, 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 Tarico uh, Corso, and Herb Street. Was that in 19 – see, I don't, I don't remember details about 94 and stuff like that. Well, I don't know if they were working it back then, but when it hit its – when it really hit its stride, that was oh, the yeah, broadcasting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I remember that uh, that Georgia Tech comeback game in 2004. I think that was a Thursday night game with, with Tarico doing play-by-play. So it was Tarico and not Fowler? Yes. Okay. There for, a long, for a long time it was Mike Tarico, and, and the analysts were Kirk Herbstreet when – Kirk was first getting started out, and uh, Lee Corson. Right, that they would do that Thursday night game, and then on Friday they would fly to wherever they're going for game day. And yeah, uh, I think that came later um, and, and overlapped for a while. Uh, Herbie wasn't as big a name back then, and uh, I believe for uh, Corso this was pre-stroke. You know, oh, when, yeah. when he yeah. was. Uh, um, I, I was never really big on Corso in the booth, you know, but they did make a good broadcast team, and Tarico's fantastic. You know, one of the best. So it, so it was a it was a real showcase, you know. And then the NFL added a Thursday night game, um, and at first it was only on the NFL Network, like the first eight weeks of the season. And then did then didn't, didn't they add recently like there's games on Thursday night on ESPN or NBC for Thursday night football like for Thursday NFL? night football for the NFL. Uh, I believe it's uh, on Fox now. It's kind of been a rotate. It was on NBC at one point, then okay. Fox got the rights to it. I think at one point CBS had it. it it's kind of been hot potato over the last couple yeah. of years of who's had it. But we'll say about you know college football and the Thursday night football. One thing ESPN did in terms of the broadcast team, it's kind of been a, a shuffle the last couple of years who's yeah. doing it. Uh, they have Adam Amin this past year doing it, who's a rising star in terms of the play-by-play industry with uh, – Pat McAfee, who talking about uh, ide- identifying with the younger crowd, uh, used to have his own podcast, Punter for the Colts. Interesting. Uh, used to work for Barstool Sports. He's a um, really f- funny, uh, outgoing guy uh, that uh, that just uh, I think a lot of the younger generation enjoys. And then Matt Hasselbeck. So it was a um, I think ESPN put a lot of effort into the broadcast team this year to try and 
you know, bring some yeah. some energy to it this past year. So I'm curious to see if the three of them will continue uh, this coming year. So, uh, you know, it's just kind of lost some of its luster. Yeah. Uh, I don't think this is going to be a well-attended game. Oh, no, I don't think so um, either. Thursday night against Bo- – our fans don't care about Boston College. Yeah. Uh, they have to take two days off from work instead of one. If, as if it was a Friday game, you only have to take one day off work. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I think all Thursday night game against Boston College – does is make people say well we only have one saturday home game in october which is true well and that, i mean that's t- what t- that's t- what we always used to gripe about back in the day when tech would play two thursday night games a year we'd fuss that there were no saturday games during october when the weather's incredible right so they go october 3rd home against georgia tech they don't play a saturday home game again until november 14th right against yeah. miami I mean, that, and this was actually weeks. the case year after year yeah. there for a while. Real quick, before we get going, I, for those that are listening, I do want to read off the schedule. For those that yeah. have not gotten yes, to see it, Sorry, let's backtrack a little so, bit. So September 5th, Tech will open up against Liberty. September 12th, the marquee game home against Penn State. September 19th, they go to Middle Tennessee State. September 26th, home against North Alabama. October 3rd, ACC play begins with a home game against Georgia Tech. October 10th, Virginia Tech goes to North Carolina. Um, October 22nd, home against Boston College on a Thursday. The bye week is in between North Carolina and Boston College. October 31st, Tech's going to play on Halloween at Louisville. November 6th, at Pittsburgh on a Friday night. November 14th, home against Miami. November 21st, at Duke. And then November 28th, Tech and Virginia will play on a Saturday. Saturday. No longer Black Friday this year when Tech and UVA play for the Commonwealth Clash. That is the 2020 schedule for Virginia Tech. Um, Chris, one thing I I always like to do when I see schedules, I want to know what's the toughest stretch for Virginia Tech. When you look at this schedule, what's going to be uh, one of the most important stretches for this Tech team? The three-game stretch at Louisville on Halloween – at Pitt the next Friday, and then back home against Miami. You know, the more key matchup in the ACC is Virginia Tech and North Carolina. seems like everybody has them as the top two teams in the Coastal. That comes on October 10th. That'll be a big deal. But what will decide the Coastal for Virginia Tech is that three-game stretch uh, against Louisville, Pitt, and Miami. Um, North Carolina, you know, North Carolina's last three ACC games are Pitt, Boston College. Aha, they're NC State games on a Friday, so that's who's been uh, So that's the Black Friday yeah, game Yeah, that's all right. Uh, um, North, Carolina, uh, North Carolina hosting NC State. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, I think while obviously the Virginia Tech-North Carolina game is going to be very important on October 10th, you know, that head-to-head matchup could be critical. Well, it's, I, I it's think, not going to decide anything. But I think whoever wins that gets the inside track. Correct. You know, right. and then it gets settled. As but you, you know, said, there, the there, there's plenty of chances to lose, though. Like even if Virginia Tech beats North Carolina, they could lose back-to-back road games against Louisville and Pitt, and boom, just like that, drop below North Carolina. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see, North Carolina, man. North Carolina plays Auburn in the Georgia Dome this year. And they open the year at UCF. Oh, man. So UCF open, is going to be better. Yeah, they open at UCF. North Carolina does. They open at UCF on a Friday. Then the following Saturday, they play in Atlanta. So usually that Atlanta game between uh, like SEC, ACC type stuff is a kickoff game. Yeah. And that's not kickoff. That's the second that's, week of the season. So they could be 0-2. Um, as James, much hype as they're getting, they, they could be 0-2. Just yeah. because of how their schedule sets and up. And then we're going to find out about their character. You know, yeah, if they exactly. Or, yeah. Well, they got they got a great quarterback. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's so that's a toughest stretch. Mm-hmm. Let's let's review that again. At Louisville, at Pitt, 
in Miami. Well, let me ask you this. Let's talk about that North Carolina game because there's going to be a lot that's made of that. Where the October 10th stretch, so Tech open, they go North Alabama, Georgia Tech, at North Carolina. What do you think about the lead-up to that game in Chapel Hill? Um, I I was going to say the only way it could be better, and this this is going to sound kind of funny after what Duke did to Virginia Tech last year, the only way it could be better is if, if Virginia Tech played Duke instead of Georgia Tech that week before going to North Carolina. Um, uh, what I'm doing is I'm looking for what's what's the weakest team Virginia Tech could play before they play North I Carolina. I still think it might be Georgia Tech. Uh, so, yeah, Georgia Tech. Um, I mean, I think that's a four-year rebuild. Job yeah, I there. think they're on the way back, but you're right, barring something. Uh, Who's, I mean, barring, well, a, have, barring a Mike Young type Well, have they signed a grad transfer quarterback? Uh, I don't see how they're going to have an. Yeah. If they haven't, they're still not going to have an effective quarterback. Yeah. Right? So, um, yeah, you're right. Maybe it's a wash. Um, we'll find out. Uh, um, uh, if you caught the comment I made, you know, nobody expected Virginia Tech basketball to be any good this year. And well, Mike and Young's done a phenomenal job that's coaching. Right. So, uh, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that uh, Georgia Tech could, could bounce back faster than you thought. So, so that's my thought on that one. Uh, Chris, is the underrated game on this schedule at Louisville on Halloween? Yeah. Um, I do feel bad for, like, someone, someone pointed this out to me earlier today. He was basically like, man, I really, was really looking forward to that Louisville game, but I've got young kids. Right. i got to take them out for Halloween, right? So I can't make that road trip. Oh, and by the way, you don't have a chance to make that road trip again for, what, 12 years? Is that what you told me? Uh, under the current scheduling model, it would be 12 years. Right. See, uh, Halloween's not big around my house. Yeah, I don't. I don't. It's not a big deal to me either. Yeah. So, uh, um, so yeah. holidays don't affect my football's my number one priority sure. uh, over holidays. Everything. Little kids, but, but, but I don't have kids. Yes. So, yeah. Ma- yeah. Malcolm's done trick or treating. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he, he he went trick or treating for the last time two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, real quick, I do I do want to talk about um, that that Louisville game just a little bit. We talked we talked a little bit about Scott Satterfield coming over from App State. Louisville was two and ten in a, a disaster after oh, yeah. the 2018 season. I, I forget did he win Coach of the Year in the ACC? I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. And I think yeah, and it actually wasn't real close. Yeah. I think that that was probably the personally me I don't like to put my opinion out too much but I thought that was a home run. I mean with the job that he did with everything that happened the Bobby Petrino era to that. I mean so I, I think Louisville they return a lot Chris. Yeah, yeah uh, I'm sure they do. Uh they got to learn how to play defense. That's the, that's the main thing. Uh they've got enough talent on that team where they can cause plenty of teams some problems. They're difficult uh, offensively. They are. Uh I watched the Louisville Wake game this past year. Yeah. And it was just it was, I don't think I saw a punt the whole game when I was watching. <laughs> it was ridiculous. But uh, I, I will say that uh, for any fan interested in making that trip, if you're from southwest Virginia, I did check Google Flights for flights from Roanoke to Louisville yesterday. And if you fly out the day before the game and fly back the day after the game, I think the flights are like 250 bucks round trip. Yeah. So so not a bad deal um, if you can book them right now. I don't, I don't know how much it is from Richmond or – Northern Virginia That's or anything like that, but I looked into it. Yeah, and from Roanoke, I think you said it would. They, it it's goes, one goes stop. to Charlotte, and then or then Philadelphia it depends on what time. Uh, yeah. Um, again, we're breaking down the Virginia Tech football schedule that was just announced. Recording the Tech Sideline podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm Wednesday, January twenty second. Uh, recording at ten in the morning. Uh, Will, let's talk a little bit about the non-conference. Like we've we've known that, but as we break down the entire schedule, we've talked about the ACC. 
course, the Hokies open with Liberty for the second time in the Justin Fuente era. That was actually his first game as coach of the Hokies. And then Penn State on September the 12th. And a trip to Middle Tennessee State afterwards. Your thoughts on the non-conference slate and how it all uh, shaked out. I am very excited about that trip to Middle Tennessee State. So um, Tech is going two interesting places this year. They're going to MTSU, which is right outside of Nashville in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And they're going to Louisville. So these are places, these are two places I've never been before. I think these are two good destinations. And, uh, you know, when I was younger, I didn't care about that stuff. It was all about the game, you know. But when you spend 20-plus years running tech sideline and you basically have to not spend any time with your wife for three or four months at a stretch, um, that's an opportunity for me to take the wife to Middle Tennessee State, check out Nashville, you know, and uh, I don't know if she'll want to go to Louisville or not, but uh, that's a chance to go there if you've never been to Louisville to go check it out. Um, so that's, uh, that's my thought on a couple of the road venues. I don't really have a whole lot to say about the Penn State game. Um, you know, this is uh, – Virginia Tech has a high-profile matchup in Lane Stadium pretty much every year for the last five or six years, you know, except for last year. Uh, Ohio State at home, uh, Clemson at home, Notre Dame, you know, and, and the script so far has been the same in all those, you know. Uh, outstanding presentation. It gets put on Saturday night in, in a uh, high-profile, you know, slot. Mm-hmm. Outstanding presentation by ESPN of, of Inner Sandman, stuff that goes on YouTube and looks great. And then Tech goes out and loses the game, you know. And and this one's got some extra juice to it. It's one thing to play Ohio State and play Clemson and play Notre Dame. But uh, um, Penn State has been coming into the state of Virginia and spanking Virginia Tech in recruiting. So this has that added element to it. And Tech's um, never played Penn State before, right? Not that I know yeah. of. You know, and, and getting back to my wife, she's a Penn State grad. So uh, <laughs> I really don't want to sit there in Lane Stadium next to my wife while Penn State beats Virginia Tech. So I just, uh, um, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just please win that one. <laughs> um, let's do this. So we kind of talked about the – again, that high, headlines the non-conference slate. How about this? Now, a lot can happen from now to then, but looking how the schedule, I want to keep this in mind. I'm going to ask you this question and keep in mind how the schedule shapes out for Virginia Tech, who they have to play the week before, and all that in mind. Uh-huh. Rank the top three toughest games for Virginia Tech on the schedule in 2020. Penn State's number one. Yeah, I would agree with that. At, at Right off the top of my head, at UNC is number two. Uh-huh. I would agree with that. And then after that... Um, I, I would say... I would say at Louisville. Yeah, your candidates are at um, Louisville, at Pitt, and Miami you, at home. You, you you could say Miami at home because, all right, if that quarterback grad transfer DR play, King. yeah, if he plays well for Miami, they're going to be a different team if they have a good quarterback. Yeah, Miami play. picked up a Houston transfer, right. uh, grad grad transfer quarterback. He, Dier, he's Dier he's legit. Um, and they also picked up Quincy Roche. Yep. So, you know, that that's that's one of those deals. I don't I don't want to be – over emphatic about this, but that one player could literally be the difference in the game. Sure, um, uh, and he picked Miami, and it's easy to see why. Well, first of all, he already had a pre-existing relationship with Diaz because Diaz was Temple's head coach for like a month. Yeah, and I think their strength and conditioning coach was also Temple's strength and conditioning coach. Yeah. But the main and, thing, and, and let's jump in here and say these players get really close to these strength and conditioning right. guys. Don't just sit there and go, yeah, whatever. They spend more time there. There's a there's a uh, it may it may be a truth. 
But there's a saying out there that the players spend more time with the strength and conditioning coach than they do with any of the coaches. Accur- accurate statement. Yeah. yeah. A very accurate statement, in my opinion. Um, and he picked Miami because it's fairly simple. The other defensive end for Miami had 15 and a half sacks this past year. Yeah. So you can't double team either one of them, right? Yeah. You come to Virginia Tech and, and the other defensive end had one sack last year, right? Like, let's say Roche had come to Tech and started at right defensive end. Garbutt's on the other side and. You know, you just double-team Roche the whole time. And, and, and Virginia Tech, uh, gosh, have, have, they haven't really shown uh, – you know, Chris, tell me whether you, you agree or disagree with this. They haven't really flashed a lot of pass-rushing ability from the linebacker position either. They don't have a freak well, athletic outside linebacker you know, that they can pair out there with a defensive They, they did end. rank like probably a like top 30 in sacks this year, so yeah. they had to come from somewhere. Yeah. Um, Shamari Connor – Five and a half sacks, I think, yeah. led the team. There's not one like dynamic pass rusher on the team, though. But you you look at a guy like Alan Tisdale, who is is, is physically uh, more impressive mm-hmm. than, than most of the guys Tech played at linebacker. He's not necessarily a better player. We haven't right. seen enough of. Well, him he's to the really most tell. athletic. Yeah, for sure. It's just, it, I agree. It's a hard sell when you start talking about the guys that are around you on mm-hmm. the defense. Sure. Right. Um, and I, I don't mean I don't say that to denigrate Virginia Tech's defensive players. But like Chris said, a guy on the other side's got 15 sacks for Miami, and he's coming back. From yeah, now I, I think Miami all of a sudden no, went we, from we, we how do we delve down that path? What we're talking about the three toughest games. So yeah, yeah. Miami could easily be on that list. Yeah, mm-hmm. because but Miami could also go six five and, and seven. Right, right? I've developed the opinion that that Miami game's just a crapshoot every yeah, year because yeah. because they just. Their mo- their in game motivation in any particular game just it can vary. It goes all over the place. Can vary from week to week, from quarter to quarter. That that team it's can absolutely lay debt. Well, look at what they did last year. They got down sure. twenty eight nothing to Virginia Tech. Did they score a point t- against Louisiana Tech in the bowl game? No, no fourteen nothing loss. And, and you know the the article that came out about when they lost to Florida International and how the team ignored or major members of the team ignored curfew the night before yeah. and all went out and everybody everybody gets one strike for a drug test at Miami and how they took advantage of that the that night before the Florida game International game. game. I mean, come on, man. Now, first of all, why don't you have your team together at a hotel the night before a football game? That's and what Virginia why aren't you Tech doing does. bed checks? Right, right. Um, stuff like that. Um, so I don't know enough about Miami, yeah. but th- th- they could be, they could be second or third on this list. They could be seventh or eighth sure. on this list. That's right. Now, now Miami was the game that Virginia Tech started turning it around this yeah. past season. Yeah, who would have thought that heading into the season? Right? Two yeah. two more questions, and Will, I know we kind of talked about this off air, but I I feel like every year the game that always kind of sneaks up on people, and you don't really realize how big it can be, is when Pittsburgh and Virginia Tech play. Hokies at Pittsburgh on a Friday night, November 6th. And you were saying that Pittsburgh, they could be fired up to play the Hokies on that kind of stage. What do you think that game means for Tech? Uh, well, it, it comes it's six days after another road game. So that's that's the toughest. Setup. Hope that Louisville is at noon. Because yeah. if Louisville happened to be like a night game, Virginia Tech would end up losing all of Sunday on a short week. Yep. So uh, – so that is the toughest setup in the schedule. Will it wind up being the toughest game? You know, we don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'm not really up to speed on Pitt. And, well, and they got to they got to be able to pass the football. Kenny yeah. Pickett I mean, does come this back. Past year, is Pickett still coming he'll back? He'll be a senior. Gosh, yeah. he's been uh, there forever. But they're so one dimensional. And uh, you know, Virginia Tech wasn't a great defense this past year, but they made the step that if you 
you didn't have a big-time running quarterback and then you couldn't throw the football, if all you can do is hand the ball off to your running backs, Virginia Tech is going to crush you, as most teams should. Yeah. So Pitt's offense just not good. Well, I remember last year Pitt was a passing team. Uh, know, they, or, they, were, they were one-dimensional. You're, you're right. It was one-dimensional the other way around. The, yeah. the year before that, it was they could only run it and they couldn't pass it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, so Pitt's you, – you've got to be able to do, generally speaking, unless you're a mobile quarterback like you know Kentucky, you've got to be able to – do more than one thing well to beat the tech defense uh i don't know anything about the personnel pitt has coming back but their offensive line has to be better because it was bad this past year and they didn't have a great running back either yeah it's just i just i don't like there there are two places i don't like to go i don't like to go to pitt virginia tech typically doesn't doesn't play well up there um so i I, i'm going to put that down as my third toughest game okay that's fair for that reason and the setup how about thoughts on Tech playing at Duke before UVA? How that schedule worked out for that? I'm good with that. Um, D- Duke, I'd have to. I don't have no factual evidence to back this up. They strike me as a team in the past few years that has been better early in the season yeah. than late. I mean, they they got on a bad streak this year late in the season and didn't go to a bowl. And you remember the season before that? It was I think I guess the last game of the season when Wake Forest beat them by like fifty at duke or it was late in the season for sure yeah um so they, they just strike me as a team that has gotten worse as the season has gone on the last couple of years I, but I doesn't mean their 2020 team will be the same way but i'm okay with it if it just feels so odd to say this considering duke won the game 45 to 10 this past year <laughs> but virginia tech's better than duke and and I, I'm, I'm fine with it. i feel good about that game coming against virginia uh I'm glad Virginia plays Pitt the week before. Uh, you can't you can't make any schedule excuses this year because Virginia's four games before they play Virginia Tech is Miami, Louisville, at Duke, home against Pitt. So there's no liberty in there. There's no bye week in there. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, all th- all things are even as far as schedule goes heading into that uh, Tech UVA game. All right. So speaking of the Tech UVA game, are you sad it's not on Black Friday anymore? Are you happy for it to go to a Saturday? I am sad from the standpoint that I always wanted to see uh, Tech at home on a Friday, call it the Black Friday game, and wear black uniforms. Yeah. So you're not going to get that chance this year. Uh, let's see. As a home game, I don't think I care if it's on Friday or Saturday. Um, as a road game last year, I did not like traveling the day after the day after Thanksgiving. Um, I think as a home game, I'd actually prefer it to be on Friday because then there'll be some good games on Saturday and you can watch all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? all so the rivalry games. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I guess. And as a home game, the the other team has only a six day break yeah. usually, and then they're yeah. traveling. Do you think it gives the chance? Uh, for, if they keep it Saturday on both sides, it does give the students. I'm not going to say it's a huge difference the one day, but. You know, students coming back on a Saturday compared to a Friday the day helps, after Thanksgiving, it could help sure. yeah. student attendance. It yeah, that's very true. Can't hurt. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Good point. So, uh, so again, that's that's the look at the schedule right now, and we we have had some people comment. I put out on the boards last night some questions in advance. We're going to get to those a little bit later. Those on Facebook Live, but a lot of people are wanting to know predictions on the season. It's early, but you look at this schedule. So before we do that, let's run down, and we can do this quickly. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, what, who every ACC team plays before they play Virginia Tech. Cool. Boston College, before they play that Thursday night game, plays at home against Louisville. Now they have a 12-day break, so it's, it's, it's not the Saturday before traveling to Virginia Tech. 
Duke is at Georgia Tech. Excuse me, Duke hosts Virginia and Virginia Tech in the last two weeks of the season. Uh, Georgia Tech is at UNC before traveling to Virginia Tech. So I kind of like that setup. And there are three teams that play Florida State the week before they play Virginia Tech. Interesting. Louisville hosts Florida State and Virginia Tech back-to-back weeks. Miami hosts Florida State, then travels to Virginia Tech. I kind of like that. And Pitt travels to Florida State and then hosts Virginia Tech the following Friday. So at least Pitt is traveling also the uh, – um, the uh, week before they play Virginia Tech. So they'll have a travel day in there the same way that Virginia Tech will have one on the way down there. Uh, Let's see. North Carolina is at Virginia before they host Virginia Tech. I like that. Uh, And Virginia is, as Chris detailed, Miami, Louisville, at Duke, Pitt, and then at Virginia Tech. So I think from that standpoint, you know, last year, uh, Chris might remember the details more accurate than me, last year a lot of teams had uh, open bye weeks before they played Virginia Tech. Uh, yeah, uh, I think it's a pretty good did. setup. This I year. think I, there's nothing egregious on the schedule yeah. that makes me say, "Oh my gosh, this is unfair." Um, you know, you can talk about the at Louisville and then six days later at Pitt. But I, if I ran Boston College sideline.com, I'm sure I could nitpick their schedule and come up with something yeah. that I don't like either. Like for example, Louisville. Louisville's in-state rival is Kentucky, right? Well, the ACC sending them to Notre Dame the week before they play Kentucky. I mean, that that stinks for Louisville. I'd be yeah. mad about that. Yeah, it does. Um, so, so everybody's got something on their schedule that I'm sure that they can be upset about to a certain extent. Uh, but, I, but I think all the way around, Tech's schedule is pretty fair and, and yeah. who the other teams play before they play. Tech I think it's a fair, fair schedule. Yeah. I, I really do. By the way, I see two other ACC teams are playing Liberty this year. NC State's playing Liberty the week before they play North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So Liberty's that team everybody apparently wants to play the week before they're. Well, Liberty rival. is a new D one FBS school. They're trying to play as many sure teams. Um, all right, guys. So so let's do it. Well, I'm glad you did that because it does give a lot of perspective to see what other teams are going to have to do before they play Virginia Tech. No, so. I'll say this: I would be mad about this if I was a Georgia Tech fan. What? This is a bad schedule. Or they open the season on Thursday night again against Clemson for the second year in a row. So you, they're going to start out 0-1. And right, Gardner-Webb, UCF, fine. But then four of their next five games are on the road, all ACC opponents. Well, yeah. not even to start. And, and, and then at the end of the season, Notre Dame, Miami, and Georgia to end the season. Wow. Holy oh, that, that is awful. Yeah, well, not even don't, I mean, UCF's going to be a top 25 team. UCF, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Virginia at Pitt. Notre Dame, Miami, Georgia on the schedule. That is a brutal schedule. Brutal, You're right. Anyway. Wow. No, that's a good point. By the way, one game to look out for to open up with I'm looking at right now is a game to uh, the opening weekend of college football. How about Florida State and West Virginia? Mike Norvell. <laughs> too bad Florida what? State's not better. <laughs> and that, Oh, that game's in Atlanta, Georgia. So the ACC, that's back-to-back weeks. The ACC has a okay. neutral site, non-conference game. Yeah. In the, in the city of Atlanta. Uh, let's see. Looks like the opening weekend is NC State at Louisville on a Thursday. North Carolina plays at UCF on that Friday. Uh, obviously, Georgia Tech Clemson on that Thursday. Boston College Syracuse on that Friday. Pretty sure that'll be a Friday game from now until the end of time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no Big East clash. Virginia and Georgia that Monday. So you've got ACC games from Thursday through Monday that opening week, mm. with the exception of Sunday. Yeah, UVA nice. Georgia on that Monday to close out. That'll be uh, 
That'll be interesting. And that uh, is in Atlanta also? Yeah. A lot of games in Atlanta. Yeah. All right. All right. So let's uh, so let's do it. So our early – I don't know how you guys want to attack this, mm-hmm. however way you guys want to, but a lot of people wanted to see record or wins and losses as a whole. If you guys want to go down the list and give what you think win or loss now, not having any – idea necessarily what's coming back for some of the other teams i have no, no, no clue about yes. middle tennessee state or any of those if you guys want to you guys want to go down the list and go what you think right now here about, on just talk in, about in text January. chances what yes we think text of, chances sure. yeah. yeah so open up against liberty again they lose a lot uh from last year's team and they did win a bowl game but uh, a game i'm sure you guys both feel comfortable well, with, uh, with liberty can't beat virginia tech but virginia tech can beat virginia tech so as long as Virginia Tech just avoids turnovers and plays a halfway smart football game, they'll win. So they'll mark that one down as a win. Yep. Penn State. Loss. Mm. Yeah, until you prove otherwise, well, man. Come I on. agree, but we're due. The law of averages are due to win one of those games, right? Oh, no, 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 no. People, people hate it when you use the phrase law of averages. <laughs> the last time I heard law of averages was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. <laughs> That's true. The, the, and I was right. And I was right. It doesn't matter if you're right or not. The emotional <laughs> types get bent, and the analytical types tell you you're using the phrase incorrectly. So uh, I am. It is that phrase incorrect. is verboten. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, how, Virginia how Tech is due to win a game like, like this. There you go. Right. So, yeah. nonetheless, it, okay. you know. There's a long track record of. Uh, I mean, generally the teams with the most talent win, and Penn State has the most talent. Right. So, at Middle Tennessee State, like we win. talked about, that'll yeah, be an issue. I guess. Yeah. Uh, they're in the, by the way, I should know they're Conference USA, I believe. Correct. That's or correct. Sun Belt. It's Conference, it's Conference USA. USA. Okay. Hmm. All right. Uh, North Alabama, who I know absolutely nothing about. I don't even know their mascot. I believe they're the Panthers. I believe you're right. Or Jaguars. Jaguars. I Good think. gracious. It doesn't matter. It, it was some sort of cat. I, would just, I was doing their logo. You know, some... some I'm going to look that up. All right, you've got the computer. Thing. All right, so uh, how, how about we talk about this UNC game for a little bit? Now, wait a uh, minute. you got to do Georgia Tech. Oh, that's Georgia Tech wins. Win. Now, now think, about, think about this. Like, uh, if Virginia Tech beats Penn State, I think they're going to be 5-0 and going into that North Carolina right, game. Right, right. 5-0 and, and probably ranked in the top 10, quite frankly, if you beat Penn State. Yeah. And and that would have some extra juice if Tech had won the bowl game. Tech Correct. Tech would be a ranked hmm. team going into the season if they'd won their bowl game. They still might be. Um, I, yeah. saw, I saw a preseason poll with them twentieth the other day. Right. Athlon has them yeah. preseason twenty. And I think that's the level-headed thing to do because bowl games are bowl games. Yeah, they're crapshoots. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Real quick, quick timeout. So North Alabama is the only school in the country to have a living mascot on campus. That's not true. That's Jordan, not true. LSU has one on campus. They have a tiger. You can go by and see him. He's got his cage. Here's the that, first that's sentence. Not true. University of Who North Alabama. That? Who wrote that? Wait this, a minute. Who this wrote is, that? This is RoarLions.com. This is their yeah, – I'll read you the first – Have quote. they moved Mike the Tiger in Baton Rouge? Oh, I'll read you the first amendment. The University of North Alabama boasts the only live lion mascots. My bad. I should. Oh, the only live lion no, mascots okay. in the country <laughs> living on a college campus. <laughs> Leo the III well, Virginia Una. Tech has the only poultry mascot in the entire the country. The only live poultry <laughs> mascot. The, the two lions live in a 12,760-foot, square-foot um, habitat. Blah, blah, blah. But but there's two lions. of them. So there's two. They're the Lions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> In case something happens to one of them. <laughs> well, Virginia Tech probably has like 
scores of turkeys. Well, they only turkeys only live like two years, so you got to replace those things fast. Right, so you, yeah. so you need so, a hole. So I didn't mean to jump in. There. Did you guys go through Georgia Tech? I was looking at. <laughs> yeah, it. that that should be a win. That should. Be uh, so what are we four and one now? Okay, four and one or five and zero. Oh. So you're either four and one or five and zero oh heading into that North Carolina. All right, here we go at UNC. Toss up. Yeah, absolutely a 50-50 game. Absolutely 50-50. Okay. Um, it's just uh, North Carolina's got a great quarterback. That guy's top-notch. I also – they haven't had a good defense in over 10 years now at North Carolina. And that defense in 2009 was a Butch Davis defense that they recruited, air quotes, right? Right. Uh, so until they start playing defense – You've got to consider that game a crapshoot. Like, even if they have a great quarterback, you can outscore them. Right. Yeah. All right, so that's UNC at a toss-up. Let's keep going down. Boston College on a Thursday. No A.J. Dillon. They do have A.J. Uh, Brown coming back, who played well against Tech Secondary last year. Right. At quarterback. Did he hit the – so he is coming back. I believe I, I believe I he was the same age as I thought he already hit – I thought I already hit the portal. Oh, hmm. did, I, hold on. Let me look. I can't keep up with that up, stuff. Right? Yeah, he got yeah. hurt. Oh, sorry. Again. No, not AJ. Um, that's not I, – I got his name wrong. I apologize. When, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you're right. Uh, AJ Dillon declared Anthony for the draft. Brown, right? Anthony, Anthony Brown. Brown. Look up Anthony Brown. I, I, th- I thought he declared for – well, not declared, but I thought he hit the portal. I could be wrong. Let's see. Anthony Brown. Uh, will explore options playing elsewhere after the redshirt junior entered his name Monday in the NCAA transfer portal that was on December 9th. So, good okay. point. Well, I haven't heard anything since then, or have we? I, I don't know. I, it does at not any, look like. At any rate, I just, I don't know. I felt like Tech, that's a game Tech would have won last year. And they have a new we're, coach we're, yeah, coming do. in so as well. There's a lot of unknown there because they have a new coach, but that's a game Tech should win at home. Right. At Louisville. Slightly favored tech in that one because uh, i agree with that I, um, I wouldn't call it a toss-up right uh tech is better defensively than louisville well, like louisville got such a great passing attack and everything but virginia tech's got the best cornerback combination in the whole country and caleb Far- farley and jermaine waller and then louisville unless their defense dramatically improves i, I mean virginia tech's going to be able to score points in that game i think the prevailing opinion is that louisville is very well coached offensively um, I didn't watch them a lot, you know, but I, but I, I know that uh, even even in there was one game and I don't remember who it was against. They st- but they were outmatched, yeah. and they started out really well, and then about a quarter and a half into it, the <laughs> coaching staff for the other team caught up to them, and that was the end of that. Might have been probably the opening can, game of the year against Notre Dame. They started out with an early lead, and then uh, probably Kentucky. <laughs> well, no, Kentucky. Nah. They got blasted from the get go. Yeah, that's true. Um, which was kind of weird. That I think that was the only game that happened to them. In but anyway. Uh, that that one's a bit of a a bit of a toss up, but favoring Tech. Yeah. Okay. So. At Pittsburgh on the Friday night, November sixth. I think on paper Tech has a personnel matchup uh, advantage in that game, yeah. and that Pitt is one dimensional offensively. Based on what we know from this past season, that doesn't mean things won't change or can't change between now and then. Um, Evan, can you look up the history uh, between uh, Tech and Pitt? When, when when Tech when when Pitt scored you know thirty six against Tech. Back in 2016 at Pitt, they were a team that year that could run the ball and throw the ball. They were a balanced offense. Um, 2018, Virginia Tech's defense was just so bad, you don't kind of discount that. But they're going to have – Pitt's going to have to get a running game back. All right, so Malcolm, see the full games list page, the the link over to the right underneath the Pitt logo. (laughs) Click that, and I want to see if Virginia Tech has won in Pittsburgh 
2016. Yeah, 2016. Fuente's yeah. first. That year. was Fuente's first year. Remember, it was such a huge deal. Three receivers over 100 yards. Yeah, um, and, and, but that's that's the only road win at Pitt since dating back to dating back to 99. Dating back to their old stadium. Right. Right. They, so Heinz Field has been an awful that. place. I will say, if Virginia Tech can win in the Carrier Dome in basketball, they they can win at Pitt in football. But I mean, like I said, Tech has a personnel advantage, but it's Pitt on the road. So that's does anything that can happen. Each other out, yeah. So I, that's kind mm. of a toss up to me. All right, Miami at home. Again, toss. Oh, up. I mean, you might as well just like roll the dice. Roll yeah. the dice. Go out on the street. Ask a random person uh, that doesn't know anything about sports at all. I mean, they have just as good a chance of picking that game as we do, especially right now. But I think uh, I'm going to land on Tech's side on that one. Let me ask you something. Are you more nervous about the Pitt or Miami game right now? Pitt. Miami. Uh, I don't know. It's my. It doesn't make any sense. Tech shouldn't have won in Miami this past year. They were coming off a 35-point loss, and they were playing on, on the road. This year they got Miami at home, and everybody knows Miami has cultural issues and things like that, but they're still going to have more talent. And – all I got to do is get it get it together for three hours. Decide to play a game, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I I don't know. Uh, I I I will say that like, you know, if I was starting a football team from scratch and and you showed me the teams I was playing, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I'd rather play Pitt, just just hmm. from a pure talent standpoint. They both concern me, but for for different reasons. All right, how about at Duke, November 21st, the final road game of the year? That's going to be a win. Again, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense to say, oh, that's definitely going to be a win when you just lost to them 45-10. to 10. But and, and we don't know we don't know where either team will be mentally at this point. But I, I, think, I think Duke under David Cutcliffe has, you know, they've steadily you've seen slid. You've seen peak Cutcliffe You've seen Duke. peak Cutcliffe at yeah. Duke, right. Um, there's there's all, only so many times you can – and I, Cutcliffe's a great coach. I don't want anybody to take the way I say this wrong. There's only been so many times you can get lucky on the recruiting trail. Well, but, Wake Forest and Jim Grobe, they got lucky once. Right, yeah. exactly. They rode that one class into into An the ACC, ACC title game. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, six. Oh, was it oh six? Oh yeah, six. Um, and it was three star recruits, two star and three star recruits who happened to be like first round pick like that linebacker and they had Alfonso Smith who Did, was didn't a second Aaron round Curry pick. Did Curry wind up being the he, number one pick He in was the draft? a fourth overall pick okay. in the draft by Seattle, I think. And then Cutcliffe, you know, they get all right, Jamison Crowder, undersized three-star recruit that nobody really wants and just like that he's in the NFL and then Daniel Point. Jones was a walk-on and then a first round pick, right? Eventually unless you unless you're able to start beating out major schools for blue chip recruits you can only go to that two-star, three-star well so many times when it comes to finding elite players. Right. So yeah, I, yeah. I, th- I think they're out of NFL receivers and out of NFL quarterbacks down there. Yeah. And Jameson Crowder, the star receiver of the New York Jets. Is that what is you're that saying? Right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yes. So that is uh, – I think you guys bring up great points about Duke there. And then close the year, just yes or no. Commonwealth Cup right now, in your opinion, is it coming back to Blacksburg this yes, year? Yes, I think so. Yeah, it's uh, – you have to. You would have to favor Tech right now. Tech returns almost everybody. UVA lost. Like I said, Bryce Perkins had to had to have a once in sixteen year performance against Tech for for them 
to win that game, and he did. Yeah. I mean, 20% chance on balls – or 20% accuracy rate on balls 20 or more yards downfield, and he put it in there perfectly. So uh, so this is shaking out to like an almost like a 9-3 and three prediction. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- I, think, I think we had – we put down Penn State as a loss, and then mm-hmm. what do we have? Carolina – Toss up, you said toss. I mean, we had like three toss ups. Yeah. So, so, so let's say if two out of the three toss ups go your way, then you're ten and two. If one out of the three toss ups go your way, you're nine and three. Yeah. And one, uh, this is the last thing I'll ask, and then we got to move on because it is ten fifty one, and we're rolling through here. We got to talk basketball. You look at the last couple of years. There has been a game that nobody saw coming: Syracuse in the Carrier Dome in twenty sixteen, Old Dominion in seventeen. <laughs> Duke this year. Is there a game on that schedule that we can't that see coming? That you cannot see coming. Is there? Is there one <laughs> game you're like? I mean, <laughs> I know that's. I, but you know what I mean. I mean, uh, there's been a there's been a lot of games where just you don't see it coming and it happens. Okay, I would say either Thursday night against Boston College or at Duke because those are the like Georgia Tech. I literally don't see coming. I don't see how they can possibly <laughs> beat Virginia Tech. Uh, I'm going to agree with you on this in terms of talent no, and no, that rebuild. No, I agree. Last year, all right, I didn't see 45 to 10 coming, but I picked Duke to beat Virginia Tech in my game preview. So that the from a from a win loss standpoint, that that game did not surprise me at all. 45 10 surprised me. I would be shocked if Georgia Tech beat Virginia Tech in Lane Stadium this year, based on what I know right now. Uh, so I would say more likely either Boston College or or Duke. Boston uh, College is one of those teams that are going to come in and run the ball and run the ball. And if Virginia Tech goes out there and has a couple of turnovers that cost himself scoring opportunity, BC is going to see more of the ball and they're going to run more clock and they'll keep the game close into the fourth quarter and get you frustrated. And then Duke being a road game between Miami and Virginia. I, I would say for me it would be uh, not losing at Louisville but getting blown out at Louisville. That, that would – Mm, it's not that I don't see that coming. Clearly, I'm thinking about it. But that would really disappoint me. And, and surprise isn't the right word, but really disappoint. Okay. There we go. This has been a, a great breakdown. Like you said, you're looking at, as we just did, about 9-3, and three, like you guys were just saying. Ceiling 10-2. Ten ten I, 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 I wouldn't say ceiling 10-2. and two. The ceiling. Yeah, that's the thing. What is the it, ceiling for this team? 11-1. and one. Yeah. I mean, if, like, if everything goes right, this team's not talented enough to go unbeaten. I mean, my gosh, the other two teams we play would have to have a rash of injuries or something like that. We'd have to have every perfect bounce in every conceivable way to go unbeaten. But if we got if we had a good season as far as lucky breaks go and no key injuries and things like that, then then eleven one is possible. But that's you know pretty much everything lines up properly. I think. Yeah, and knowing what we know about guys coming back for Virginia Tech at this point in time. I think, and and you know, not knowing about injuries, injuries can always throw things off. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think eight and four is probably the floor. Probably, I mean, now we, we don't even know who the backup quarterback's going to be at this point. Yeah. And and you saw how limited the offense was like, without Hendon Hooker yeah. against Notre Dame. But, but but I think with with Burmeister and Hooker both on the roster at quarterback, I would hope. 
I would hope that Burmeister would be able to execute the passing game at a higher level than Quincy. Than Quincy. Yeah. Or Quincy. You than, know, than last year, right, Quincy. Right. Well, now, now, to be fair to Quincy, he's going into his third year in the program right. now. And a lot of the guys take a big step that year. So, yeah. we'll see. It should be an interesting spring. Yeah. Yep. I think it's a great way to end the conversation. Can we talk about the football schedule for the last 50 minutes? You can go to TechSideline.com right now and look at the article that Chris just put out about the schedule um, that has been We'll released. have a TSL Pass article later today about it. Yeah, if you want to if you want to give it an over-under, I'd say mm, the over-under that makes me pause is nine and a half. Yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah. That's what I would think, too. All right, we've got more to talk about here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. When we come back, Virginia Tech, is tonight a must-win game against North Carolina? We'll ask Will and Chris. Plus, we'll get to your questions all coming up on the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at fisherlegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go. Hokies. Welcome back to the Tech Sideline podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. So glad you could join us for episode 111. Again, we've got our normal crew here today as we record on Wednesday, January 22nd. Malcolm Stewart, our producers, taking your questions on Facebook Live. We'll get to those shortly on the podcast set. Will Stewart, Chris Coleman, I'm Evan Hughes. Transition from the gridiron to the basketball floor. Virginia Tech tonight hosting North Carolina, who is 8 and 9, 1 and 5 in ACC play. And the Hokies are and seven. really bad. <laughs> and the Hokies yeah, are seven point favorites. Yeah. Will <clears throat> is tonight a must win for Virginia Tech? Uh, for my emotional well being, it is. Uh, <laughs> Mike Mike Young has, uh, um, with his coaching job this year and with what the players have done, I'm, I'm trying to find the right phrasing here. They've they've kept Tech fans. Uh, uh, Oh, I don't want to say emotionally engaged. They've just kept him on a high. He's kept him on yeah. a high all year long. The only time I got a little down was when they when they lost to Dayton and BYU. Boom, boom, blowouts. Two games. The two in days a row. after beating Michigan State, but they had just beaten Michigan State. And since then, it's been a good, steady uh, production uh, string of wins. Uh, there's never been a. And I always tell people, look at college basketball in in groups of three. The games in groups of three. Um, kind of parse it out that way because college football is, is is 12 games. College basketball is 30, 31, 32, 33, whatever. Kind of evaluate each group of three games as, as like you evaluate a football game, which means you don't want to lose two out of three. And, uh, um, and again, I'm, just, I'm not talking about NCAA chances here or anything like that. I'm just talking about your mindset, you know. So I came into these two games. I think I said this on the last podcast. I came into these two games – uh, wanting Tech to win one of the two, Syracuse and UNC at home. Um, I really, at least one of the two. Winning, winning both of them may be great. Um, so I, I really, for my emotional well-being and the momentum of the program, I don't want to lose this one after losing the Syracuse one because then you drop to 500 in the ACC, right? Yeah, and, and – I- I don't know what quadrant that would be. I don't know the number. That's a bad home loss is what that is. It's a quadrant three probably home loss. I mean, North Carolina's like, 
or twenty at the minute, one thirty, something like. Do you that. mind repeating that one more time again? North Carolina <laughs> is what in the net? One twenty or one thirty, something last like that. Last in the ACC, next to last, I think. Yeah, uh, down there with uh, Wake BC. Forest, and not to mention BC. To, yeah. No, BC's won two games in the ACC. Yeah, but their net ranking. Though, oh, okay, bad. I'm talking about yeah. record, right. In the yeah. state, and Tech plays at BC on Saturday. So if you're able to pick up a win against North Carolina tonight and knock off BC Saturday. Sure, you put you at six and three, six in and, three and that feels a lot better than being four Five. and four after the UNC. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. I don't think there's any such thing as a must win on January twenty second or whatever it is when you're talking about a thirty to thirty two game basketball season. The only must wins in basketball are tournament basketball games, yeah. right? Um, because you've got. There's pl- if Virginia Tech loses tonight, there's plenty of time to make up oh, for it. Oh, here Malcolm now, has put the uh, put the net up there because okay. Ox fusses at us when we talk yeah. about the net. Malcolm, know, do you mind clicking on the, yeah, that so graphic? Click, click the graphic. Not that I can see it, but you know. <laughs> well, that is a great graphic. And this is from yesterday. This is disregarding games from last night, and I have I have no idea what happened in games last night. Yeah. So were, were, were there ACC games last night? There should have been. Uh. Gosh, why can I not remember? Uh, Wake Forest and Clemson played last night, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and, well, and that was won. a battle, but Clemson won it. Clemson won. Um, and I don't remember after that. Okay. Uh, well, it's it's good that Clemson won because they were 75th in the net as of yesterday. So, theoretically, they should be up a couple spots now. And since Virginia Tech picked up a road win over Clemson, you want them to stay in the top 75. Yeah. You don't want them to stay in the top 75 because a top 75 win in the net on the road is a quality one win. So today is um, the 22nd, correct? And this graphic that we're showing up at the television screen is through 121, so it includes games of last night. Okay. And what is this? And uh, Clemson has dropped to 76th. What? After winning? Um, we're Syracuse, 70th still? Yes. 70th. Okay. Yep. So t- as of today, Tech has two quadrant one wins. So by losing to Syracuse – Virginia Tech gained a quadrant one win yeah. because they beat Syracuse on the road earlier. Yeah. and that, But then by beating Virginia Tech on Saturday, Syracuse jumped into the top 75. So yeah. Virginia Tech got themselves a second qu- uh, quadrant one win. Now. Yeah, so but, Clemson is now Q2. Uh, and and right. now what's North Carolina? To, uh, the, the future opponents are not shown. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, I think they were 120th uh, as of yesterday, but yeah. – so it's 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 not it's not a must win game, but th- there aren't that many opportunities for quadrant one wins for Virginia Tech this year. It's the gift and curse of a down year in the ACC. The yeah. gift being that a freshman laden team actually has a chance to compete, and the curse being that they're you're not going to have that many opportunities for quadrant one wins. Sure, uh, yeah. So you you don't want to lose at home to North Carolina. It's not a must win because you never know what's going to happen after this, but it would be damaging. Uh, not only to the re- tournament resume, but also to morale a little bit if you lose it, in my opinion. Yeah, that's why I talked uh, about my emotional For, for the short game. term. It d- doesn't mean anything for the long term of the program and everything like that. North Carolina 8-9 overall, 1-5 in ACC play. Of course, the story of their season is Cole Anthony, one of the top freshmen in the country, sidelined with an injury. Of course, he'll uh, he, come back tonight. They say he's not. But <laughs> he was averaging will. 19 points per game, 6 rebounds a game, and nearly 4 assists per game in 33 minutes. Now – Garrison Brooks has stepped up in production, 14 points per game, nine rebounds a game. He's six foot ten, and then Armando Baycott out of Richmond, Virginia, uh, 10 points per game, almost eight rebounds per They're game. They're big. So, uh, what do you expect from Virginia Tech defensively I, to match up against Brooks and Baycott? I don't know what I expect defensively. I don't know much about X's and O's basketball, but I, I know that if they, if Virginia Tech does well on the defensive glass, they stand a really good chance of winning the game. Now, if you give it UNC 
a lot of second chance opportunities with their size on the inside, they, they can really hurt Tech. But if Virginia Tech is good on the defensive glass, you know, I, th- I think they're going to win the game. Yeah, Virginia Tech turns the ball over so little that I don't see Carolina getting runouts, mm-hmm. um, not in any sort of quantity anyway. So they're not going to have that in their in their holster. Um, yeah. I, I, I agree without having studied them yet. We're going to do our preview later today um, and, and not really knowing anything about them. Just uh, UNC historically is, is a taller, rangier mm-hmm. team than Virginia Tech, and that's where the trouble could come. To me, tonight's game is more mental than anything else. Uh, I think it's pretty well established that North Carolina is not very good. and right. They're not very good because they're not as talented as they normally are, and they've had some key injuries. Yeah. But I, they're also not very good because they never lose and they don't know how to handle losing now that they're losing. Now that it's happening. <laughs> uh, Roy Williams might not know to handle it, how to handle it. The last time this Carolina team had a losing record before right now was back after the first game of the 2004-2005 season when they lost to Santa Clara. And they were 0-1. They were and they won the national one. championship. And they won the year, national right? championship yeah, yeah. that year. So this is a bunch of guys that, that, that they don't know how – I'm not sure they know how to handle losing. And, um, and so, from a from a facing adversity standpoint, and I'm not sure Roy Williams knows how to coach him, uh, or I don't think he knows what to say to him. He tried that, he tried to challenge him by saying, "Oh, this team's not very talented," hoping that would tick him off, and it didn't. They got worse, and then he said, "Oh, this is the least athletic team I've ever had," thinking that would fire him up. It didn't. They got worse. So I don't think they can handle his criticisms of them. Yeah. Uh, I think he's intending them to fire up the team so to speak but it's right. i think it maybe it's had the opposite effect he doesn't have a lot of experience in that area right Not at all all right so real quick because we have to uh we're going to talk about landers nolly and some st- mm-hmm. uh, news that came about on tuesday yesterday real quick yes or no tech win tonight against north carolina yes uh barring a bad shooting night from virginia tech we've talked about that then a night where they, they might go out there and nobody's hitting um i think barring a really bad shooting night i think tech wins it's just scary to think that Carolina's got to win at some point, right? Right. Don't say those words. Don't Not say those, say three those words, words, though, Chris. But they're due. <laughs> 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 All right. So we've got uh, two wins on the set here from Will and Chris, barring a bad shooting night right, from Will. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So now let's transition to some news that came about on Tuesday afternoon. For those that did not see, uh, Mark Berman of the Roanoke Times did an article on Landers Nolly and Tyrese Radford and kind of just the, their, their time at Virginia Tech and. Uh, it was a really good read. You go, you go to the end of the article. This is what we're going to focus on. Uh, was that Landers Nolly's dad was quoted in this RoanokeTimes.com article. Malcolm, the best producer in the land, has already put that article up on our screen for those watching. It's at the end right there. Highlight that, Malcolm. There we go. Uh, so I'll read a, a couple of paragraphs um, leading into it. Nolly's been na- uh, named the ACC Freshman of the Week five times, but unlike some other freshmen, Nolly was not included last week in ESPN's latest mocked two-round 2020 NBA draft. Quote, Landers is a pro. At the rate he's going, he won't be back next year. Close quote. That's from Landers Nolly's father. Chris, Mm -hmm. what should we make of that quote? Well, he didn't say NBA. He said pro. And these days you can make six figures or seven figures if you're really, really good playing professional basketball overseas. Um it's not just the ESPN mock draft. Malcolm, it's, leave that up there for now. It's it's I, I I generally use NBA Draft.net. I think is what I use because it's got like seventy or eighty mock drafts from all over the place, and it averages them all together. Not what so when their average mock draft, he's not listed as being drafted at all in the first uh-huh. two rounds. So hardly anybody thinks he would get drafted if he came out after this year. 
So um, let's let's read the next two paragraphs. Nolly said he won't think about the draft until after the season. Quote, if I thought about that, then I wouldn't be thinking about the season. How we're doing? Proving people wrong. Unquote. He said. He being Nolly. So good quote. Yeah. Really good answer. Yeah. He he turned it right back around on this season and this team. How about that yeah. quote right there? Quote, a lot of things that I still got to show y'all. Close quote from Nolly. Yeah. <laughs> so he's saying the right things. Um, if he were to, to, to uh, uh, leave Virginia Tech after this year, th- this would not be a real surprise. You know? Yeah. Uh, I, 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 it's one of those, like, like, he shouldn't do it unless he thinks that going overseas for a year – will we'll help better prepare him for the NBA than staying in college for a year. Yeah. Um, or maybe, or you know, maybe even if, and even if you don't make the NBA, you just go right back to Europe or wherever and make your 500 grand or whatever. I mean, that's, that's a pretty nice way to live, I think. But, 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 but we've just gotten the, some of the back channel stuff we've gotten just indicates that, that he's, a, he's a shooting star. He won't be here very long. And now that said um, – when I watch him on the court, he does. He seems to really enjoy playing for Virginia Tech. Yeah, he plays hard and, and everything like that. And, and yeah. I, I don't think he's a selfish player. Some people went after him after missing that last shot against. Yeah, NCAA. he just panicked and made a bad decision. Yeah, but but yeah. I, you know, I I see him passing the ball. Um, you know, he, yeah, he, he had seven assists that game. He has a lot of yeah. assists. He's a pretty good passer. Um, I think. Uh, but I, but I think that he gets along gets along well with his teammates, and he seems to be enjoying himself on the court. I don't think that's it. Yeah. So yeah. So but but that being said, it would not shock me if he did not play basketball yeah. for Virginia Tech next year for whatever reason. And of course, we are seeing on a larger landscape too that a lot of players out of high school now are going overseas. I mean, you've got Lamelo Ball, who's projected to be the number one overall pick. And the upcoming NBA draft playing professionally in Australia right yeah. now. You've had Emmanuel Moutier play overseas and then get drafted. It, you know, this, it, and then it opens that whole can of worms about the one and done. And, and some of these and foreign te- some of these foreign teams are smart too. I think there was a New Zealand team that signed a guy who was like a top ten prospect coming out of high school last year. They signed him to a two year contract. So if anybody in the in the NBA drafts him. That NBA team basically has to purchase the contract pay a buyout, for, right? for that New Zealand team. So that that New New Zealand team will get a check for like a million bucks, which is huge for them, right? Yeah. From from the NBA team. So uh, so that's a good business decision for somebody like that. And mm. you think about it, man. I'm Eighteen years old. Somebody in Australia, maybe not Australia, because I'm scared of all those poisonous animals and stuff they have. Not me, there, man. Australia's like, cool. Like some team in Italy or France, and we're like, man, we'll pay you 500 grand to come over and pay, play basketball for a year. Heck okay. Yeah. Instead yeah. of going to college and uh, they make you go to class for a semester to stay eligible for the NCAA tournament, but you have no intention of staying in college for four years, you know what? I'll just go to France. Yeah. That sounds better to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe I'll yeah. stay there too. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting discussion. Again, that was an article on RoanokeTimes.com that Mark Berman uh, did on Tyrese Radford and uh, Landers Nolly. Okay, so I put on the message boards. Uh, yesterday I wanted to get some questions before the podcast um, and Malcolm's going to take some from Facebook Live. So I'm going to read uh, two or three and then turn it over to Malcolm for our questions uh, part of the Tech Sideline podcast and then we'll wrap things up. So how many minutes are we at right now, Malcolm? Hour 10. ten. Yeah, rolling by. I'm I'm actually going to have Malcolm cut this one up after uh, uh, we'll do the full podcast video but I think I'll also have him slice it into schedule discussion, basketball discussion, and Q&A. Awesome. Okay, so uh, let's start this first question. Uh, I thought this was a good one. This is from TR3NT, so Trent with a three in the middle for the E. 
Where do you all see the Virginia Tech football program in the next four to six years? I think that will be determined in the next 12 to 18 months when or if they come up with some sort of a master plan for facilities <laughs> or something. Honestly, I mean, the, the strength of your program, the, the long-term view of your program isn't determined necessarily by your current head coach or anything like that. It's determined by the foundation of your program, by the fan support, the infrastructure, things like that. Mm -hmm. Like Justin Fuente may or may not be Virginia Tech's coach six years from now, <laughs> but it's the other decisions that are made right now that will determine the long-term trajectory, in my opinion. Yeah, he, he was asking how many years? Four to six. Four to six. I think for the next couple of years, they'll be competitive for a coastal crown. Uh, mm -hmm. The way things are trending down at North Carolina, they're going to have a really good quarterback for uh, two more years. years. Two, two more years, yeah. Right. Was he a true freshman this past Correct. year? Yeah, yeah. And he yeah. declare after his junior year. So they're going to have a really good quarterback for the next two years. They had a really good recruiting class this year, and I don't see any reason for that to stop. So unless Virginia Tech ups its recruiting game, um, I think the, the talent's going to start leaning towards North Carolina. And um, Miami's always Miami, you know. So I think competing for Coastal Crowns once you get more than a couple of years out is going to be problematic unless the recruiting at Virginia Tech gets better. Sure. Um, so that's kind of where I, I, I – beyond two years, I don't really know. Yeah. Jason H. writes uh, about recruiting in Virginia. Penn State seems to own the state of Virginia the last several years when it comes to recruiting. What happened? Where did it go wrong, and how does Virginia Tech win it back? Where do we start? Now let's try to answer oh, I could, concisely. I could, I could write a 3,000-word article about that. <laughs> I've done yeah. it plenty of times. Uh, oh, my gosh. It's just a factor of so many things. Well, they've always recruited, to, to my thinking, they've always recruited Richmond well. Yeah, they have. That, that goes way back. Um, but part of it is that uh, – and. I think, and Chris could maybe back this up with numbers, I think there's more talent coming out of Northern Virginia now. There is. Than there's and, there's and more highly rated recruits coming out of there than there is the Eastern Northern part Virginia is probably just as close to Happy Valley. It's, as it it's is pretty much equidistant. Right. And and a lot of those Northern Virginia kids, they're not actually from Virginia anyway. Right. Like their, their parents just moved to D.C. for a job. Right. Maybe they're from Allentown, Pennsylvania, for all I know, originally. Right. Yeah. So... So that's part of that's, what's that's happening. part of what's going on. So, yeah. so part of the issue here is there's two areas of the state in Northern Virginia where there's a lot of people who aren't native Virginians and the 757 because of the Navy base and the, and the military presence. There's a lot of people there that aren't necessarily native Virginians either. Yeah. So it's, 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 a, it's an interesting state. It's not like Texas, you know, Florida, not to say that they don't Georgia. have Navy bases and things like that down yeah. there, but you know, if you're from Texas, you're from Texas, kind of. Yeah, and, and, in, and, and in general, in Virginia, the, the trend has gotten away from, you know, there were some storied high school rivalries in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, Hampton, Phoebus, uh, you know, some now, of the schools. Now the are, Peninsula just doesn't produce any talent anymore. Yeah. I mean, Bruton High School, where Brian Randall went, they couldn't even field a, a yeah. complete team and play a full schedule a couple years ago. And you remember the, the East-West High School All-Star game used to be a big deal. So, so yeah. there was this emotional investment in your high school program and the state as a whole. Mm -hmm that uh, I don't really see now. It's so not. I also think that's part yeah. of it. Plus, you know, James Franklin's a great recruiter. Yeah. Great salesman. You know, one of the things he says that, that sells to, to large portions of recruits is, I want to be the first African-American to win a national championship. Mm -hmm. You know, when you go into an African-American home and you say that, that resonates. They connect right. with that. 
you know? No question. And some of it is where I think Virginia Tech was marshalling all their resources back in the heyday of Virginia Tech recruiting. I mean, the third highest paid coaching staff in the country, the newest football facility in the country, yeah. just about in the Merriman Center. So part of this is Virginia Tech dropping off, but a lot of it is other schools who always had more resources. They just weren't using them. They weren't focusing they weren't on focused the state of Virginia. Right. Now they're using them. Yeah. Right. And there's nothing Tech can do about it from that end. So there's things Virginia Tech can do better. But a lot of this issue is other programs finally getting their stuff together. Yeah. Right. So there's nothing you can do about that part sure. of it. Great question. I knew that would get a really good answer. And it's got a lot of layers to it, as you guys just talked about. Last one for me, and I'll turn it over to Malcolm. Are you hokey? Right. Hypothetically. If Kerry Blackshear had remained at Virginia Tech, where would the basketball te- hmm. be, team be? NIT lock, NCAA tournament lock, ACC championship contender question. Oh, my Thanks. gosh, uh, man. See, I saw that question when he asked Yeah, it. me too, and I thought it was a good one. And, I, and, uh, and it's been breaking my heart lately thinking about how good this team would be well, with Kerry well, Blackshear. I'm thinking about it. Thinking about all their losses. All right. He wouldn't have made them beat Dayton or St. Joe's. You mean, uh, uh, BYU. You mean BYU? BYU, yeah thinking about old Atlantic 10 days, I guess. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, he wouldn't have made the difference in those games. Tech lost to Duke by 14. But at the same time, that was a that was a single-digit game for most of the contest. Yeah. So maybe he makes a difference, maybe he doesn't. Wouldn't have made the difference in a 26-point loss to, to UVA, most likely. Um, Could have made the difference against Syracuse. Yeah. And we and we don't know how many close losses or close wins or all that are coming. But uh, I, I I think he might be the difference between NIT and NCAA tournament by the end of the I year. I think who, so. Who really knows? Absolutely, yeah. Right. And I, Tech, I actually think Virginia Tech would be on an NCAA track if they had Kerry Blackshear here. And the th- well, the thing is they're still on track. Like, they're still in the bracketology right now. Would, would continue to be. Right, right. Right, uh, right now you're looking at, you know – the season ended tomorrow, I think a lot of people would say 10 to 12 seed or something like that. And, you know, maybe it's an eight seed with Blackshear, which would actually be worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <that's> right. <laughs> but uh, but not, I don't care about seeding this year, man. If it comes down to it on Selection Sunday, I'll care about it. But to me, just if you make the tournament, it's a win-win. If you do any, anything once you get there, it's just a bonus, right? No. But, 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 yeah, I, I, I got I to think he would – have helped us win at least one more game to this point, and like the Syracuse game. Now, I'm not sure even with Blackshear in a tournament setting if they could climb the Louisville or Florida State mountain, yeah, particularly Florida State. Yeah. Florida State's just a, a problem for Virginia Tech. Well, they are, they're always really tall. <laughs> they have yeah, a lot of really tall players. Their, their defense is apparently fierce this year, so uh, you know, we'll, we'll find that out. So I, I wouldn't say ACC champions, but I, – I don't think – and who knows about that Duke game? I, Coach K went small on that game yeah. to stop Tech's cuts. I don't know if you can go small. I don't think you can put a six-seven center out there against Blackshear. Right. I don't think you can have Alex White play in the five. Against so Blackshear. Virginia Tech, so instead of being four and three in the ACC, could be six and one. It could be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Could be. Real quick, just real quick. I want to spend like thirty seconds on this because it just crossed my mind when I read this question last night. Do you ever think about last year's team and if things that worked out with Chris Clark and if 
Virginia Tech uh, had Landers Nolly what it could have been. Sure. And with Justin Robinson healthy, absolutely. I mean, with could, Justin Robinson healthy, that's yeah. the third thing. Uh, everything, I mean, yeah, that's a team that could have won the that national They could have won it anyway, even even without Chris Clark. I mean, they made the Sweet 16. Yeah. I mean, I sat in a room with Coach K in December, and he said that's a team that could have won the national championship last year. Yeah. Uh, there were five teams in the ACC that could have won it, and Virginia Tech was one of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think about that to just, answer your question. Yeah, I think about it all the time. I, it's hard not to think about it, man. These little windows open up. Yeah, it's the, the it's rare when the windows come open. And so when it doesn't happen, you always think about the what ifs. Michael Vick, 1999. What, 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 if, what, what, what if Michael Vick didn't turn the wrong way on the option on the first drive of the yeah. game? Yeah. What if Bobby Bowden has suspended Peter Warwick? Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> you get comedy here on the podcast. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, All right. So, it has been, it has so, been a long wait yeah. to turn it over to Malcolm Stewart. I'm sure we've got some questions. Malcolm, what's going on, buddy? All right, let's get started with James Copeland asks, should we have gone to the SEC when we had an offer to have more money and better facilities, or was staying in the ACC better to compete for championships? Yeah, there's two ways to look at that. It depends on how you use that extra money and those extra resources. All right, I know South Carolina has better facilities and more money, but that's not winning many more games, is it? So nah. They're just facing tougher competition. Yeah, they got to play Florida and Georgia, and, and the rest of the SEC. Um, hundred thousand seat stadium and a hundred plus million god i don't know where tennessee is in revenue now probably 140 150 or more yeah hasn't helped them any they stink yeah uh joining the sec hasn't helped missouri it doesn't seem like um by the way i watched missouri play a basketball game last night of texas a&m they 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 were hosting texas a&m not that this is relevant. A lot of empty seats in Missouri's Coliseum. Yeah. A lot. And that's a historically good basketball program. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if the Hokies would be where they are in basketball. They would have more money. I don't know if that more money would equal more wins. The ball streak would have ended last year for sure. If not, well, the ball streak would have ended before in one of those. Except 20- Virginia Tech may have recruited better if they were in the SEC and it'd be a they, whole they, different program. They may have. Um, so there, there's no way to know. Um, if, if you think there's a 5 to 10% chance of Virginia Tech winning the ACC as long as Clemson stays where Clemson is right now, then there's – there's even less of a chance in the SEC because there's three Clemsons in the SEC, right? Yeah. There, there's, there's Alabama and LSU in one division, and there's Georgia in the other division. So you probably won't even make you, – you don't even have a chance, much of a chance to win your division if you're in the SEC East. Tech at least has a chance to win their division in the ACC. So there's a lot of different ways to look at it. Um, and I think as time goes by – I don't think we could fully answer the question yet. Like, what if 10 years from now the, the college football landscape is totally different? Like, I'm not even sure we'll have conferences for football long term. Hmm. I don't see the point. Um, uh, like, if you, can, if you can have a super league of, like, the top 20 programs or something like that. Yeah, it's it's, it's hard to say. Yeah, I, it's I, just so hard. It's a loaded question. Yeah, it, yeah, it really is. Some uh, things would be a good one, but some yeah. things would be better, and some, some things, things wouldn't be better. Something right? Yeah, I think it kind of depends on your preference as a fan. Yeah. 
Uh, I know it would be more exciting week in, week out. You, you wouldn't. Hmm. Well, it would unless you were getting drilled week in and week out. That'd get old pretty fast. Yeah. What I mean, it, and what the, there, there are some years where Tech would have, would be getting drilled. Yeah. Um, it's just, I think it, as hard as it is to stay consistent in the, in the ACC, I think it'd be even harder to do it in, in the SEC. I think there was a window when Georgia and Florida were both somewhat down where Virginia Tech could have really been a successful SEC East program. But now that Georgia has righted the ship and Florida finally has a good coach, that window has closed. Yeah. 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 Good question. <clears throat> uh, John Houchins just chimed in and wants me to ask how Boots got that nickname. I have no idea. I don't, I don't either. I, I I think I've been around him when somebody asked him that question, but I don't think I retained his answer in my head. That's that's a good question. I, uh, I'll ask it on the boards. Asking about Tyrese Radford. His nickname is Boots. Yeah, we don't know. Hmm. Uh, Clark Ruland, in your opinion, which games would you make the effect games next season? White, orange, maroon. White, orange, maroon. My gosh. Well, you can't do white against Penn State. I was about to say. The whole stadium would be white. Right? Please don't do orange against Penn State. Yeah, I, I would. Why is that? No. Just because I, I, I don't like orange uniforms and I don't like oh. the track record wearing. Do orange against North Alabama. Somebody like that, you know, because I don't like orange either. Um, I might do. I don't think you need to uh, have anything for Penn State, right? Right. It's just, yeah, Penn State is Penn State. Maybe um, wear all maroon, but it doesn't have to be maroon. Effect. How about the Thursday game you do something? You, you could. You, mm. um, I know they've worn orange against Virginia uh, against Georgia Tech before. So right, You can't wear orange against Virginia. That's not allowed. Or Miami. Uh, <laughs> uh, Georgia Tech maybe is the whiteout game or something like that. Um, um, I would say North Alabama whiteout, Georgia Tech orange, Miami maroon. That's, mm. that's fair. Uh, yeah. I, I can get behind that. Yeah. yeah. And B.C., just B.C. Thanks, Clark. Thanks for that great car you've got up there, too, that you uh, donated to the podcast set. And the, I, uh, moved, I moved it back down where Clark could see it. Yeah, I like it. And we've got the Independence Bowl. That, that was Clark, we've right? We've got Stick It In Beer. Yeah. Clark Designs. We've got This Is Gnome. So yep. that doesn't have anything to do with Clark, though, but Clark is all over the set. Yeah, he, he is. is. Yeah. Cool. How about we do one more, Malcolm? Sure. Eric Fisher, how was Radford so lightly recruited by everyone? That's a good question. I have no idea. Um, yeah, lightly recruited by lightly recruited you mean non-recruited did like, you did you read Berman's entire article because it may be in there I, I, I know this like if you go to his 247 recruiting profile not only is he not listed with any offers he's not even listed with any interest from any teams right. like not even Virginia Tech like when he showed up at last year's media day everybody assumed he was a walk on because he's the only student athlete that I can ever remember in the history of Virginia Tech athletics who was not actually introduced in some kind of press release when he signed or when yeah. he enrolled. So I don't know. I, I know – I think I, – I wasn't around when he said this, but he said like when he, he told a barber, I think maybe, that when he got to Tech he, could only, he couldn't do like a forearm push-up, which – I find that hard to believe. I find that hard to believe, yeah. but – at the same time, I think he led Louisiana in rebounding with like a six-one guard or something like that. So, I have no idea how in the heck he ended up at Virginia Tech. Um, he he must not have been been on the AAU circuit. But that that that, that must be it. Yeah. I mean, somebody would have seen him yeah. on the AAU circuit, right? Uh, well, these days, I think a lot of people are really focused on three-point shooting. He can't shoot. Mm -hmm. um, we don't even know what position he played in high school. 
for all I know, he might have been like his team's power forward or something yeah. with a small lineup or something and just didn't handle the ball very much. Um, I, so I don't know, but I'm, I'm glad, I'm I glad I'm it more, happened. I think I'm more comfortable with him left as a man of mystery. Yeah, yeah, I think for we sure. just need, to, need yeah. to appreciate Tyrese Radford in the moment without trying to figure him out. Mm-hmm. He is what he is, and it's awesome. Yep. There you go. All right. It has almost been 90 minutes again. What, and it feels like it's it's flown by. Yep. Yeah. Great questions as always, and a lot of them today were really good. And the questions I feel like where there's layers to it are always the really good questions. So. So we are looking to get uh, Tony Roby on the podcast, correct? Yep, it's confirmed. So uh, Coach Roby will be on uh, next Wednesday at uh, 10 in the morning. Looking forward to having Coach on next Wednesday. That'll be after the UNC duel. Tech number three in the country right now. Now, we tried to get Tony today or tomorrow before ACC duels started, but we got bumped by Packer and Durham. They uh, they, they called him up, what, yesterday? Or, I believe so, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that's going to be great that he's going to go on Packer and Durham. Yeah, he was, I think that's he was, fantastic. Yeah, he was on this morning. Uh, so that's that's why he wasn't able to be here. With it. Where was it tomorrow? Or t- tomorrow. 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 I think yeah. it's going to be tomorrow. Yeah, well, if I ever meet uh, Mark Packer, I'll have to give him a hard time about that. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, ne- next one's it'll be great to talk to him. He's always great. We we appreciate Coach coming on and always being so open and giving up his time during a you know the season, the busy season for him. Yep. So we will be back uh, Monday, Monday at uh, nine thirty. Should be normal time for a podcast. Should be. Um, so Good let time. me throw one more thing in there about wrestling. If you go to uh, Tech Sideline and and look around the site, you will see a link to uh, order tickets for the Moss Arts Center meet dual meet against Duke which I believe is February 8th, which I believe is a Saturday. Well, that's going to be a blowout for lack of yeah, a word, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, last time I checked, uh, there were about 100 to 110 tickets left. So uh, It might oh, be 45 oh. to 10 Virginia Tech this time around. There you go. Yeah. It, it's only uh, $10 a ticket, so this is not an expensive ticket, and it's a really cool way to watch wrestling. I, I went either last year or the year before and really enjoyed it. Yeah. Hashtag get Chris Coleman to uh, Moss Arts Center. We're starting Arts that trend. <laughs> right. I think you'd enjoy it. I really sure. do. So. All right, well, uh, great show today. Again, um, techsideline.com, we've got great content up right now, great article about the Quadrant wins, Tyrese Radford, the schedule, Virginia Tech baseball, freshman report I think I saw a couple days ago uh, still on there. Or, that was uh, a defensive true freshman report that's what on there. It, yep. I'll do, I'm going to write up a uh, TSL pass article on the schedule this afternoon. What's today? The 22nd. Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday, tw- okay. Off the top of my head, I don't know what we'll do tomorrow. Friday Q and A on Friday, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's mid January. You think there's not as much to talk about, but there's there still is. Yeah. We are. Oh, by the way, uh, yesterday was first day of classes, so you should be expecting transfer portal news. Yes, um, very very soon. We've heard five names. Yeah, and I'll just leave it at that. I'm sure it'll all become public. Maybe public. None, none of them particularly surprising right. if you've been listening to us all year. Yeah, yeah. or or just thinking about things yourself. Yeah. Nothing nothing shocking there. Yeah. So. There you have it, and we'll be uh, we'll talk tech basketball on Monday for sure. That'll be off of I mean a little bit. <laughs> the UNC game will be passed, but we'll have the Boston College game to look at. Tech plays at BC on Saturday. Home game for Wabisabidi as he always talks about yeah. uh, going Good home and playing in front of his uh, family and friends. And I'm sure we'll have some football news. Something will happen in the next couple of days. Just saying, don't know what, but I'm sure there'll be something to talk about. <laughs> I'm sure, so, something will happen. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. I don't know what, but there's something that could come up. So, yeah. all right, well, that'll do it for today's episode, of Tech Sideline Podcast. A reminder: if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe. We appreciate it as always. 
Be sure to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Tax Sideline. Be sure to give us a follow. And that'll do it for today's podcast. For our best, produ- the best producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart, behind the scenes on the podcast set, our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our general manager and founder, Will Stewart. I'm Evan Hughes, podcast host, saying so long. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Tech Sideline podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm.